0: This podcast is presented by DistroKid, an incredible service for musicians that helps you upload your songs to all music streaming platforms from iTunes to Spotify and Apple Music, then pays you revenue from your songs all in one place. They've got a really cool new feature called Splits that allows you to add collaborators so you can pay your co writers and fellow musicians without needing an accountant. To get 30% off your first year's DistroKid subscription, just head to distrokid.com VIP slash hardtimes. Today's episode is brought to you by Anchorfish Printing. Hey, are you in a band? Do you run a label? Or maybe you just want to make some merch for fun. You should hit up Anchorfish Printing. They've been taking care of bands for over 15 years. I first met the owner, Michael, when my band Touche Amore started, and he was our go-to guy. You can visit what they have to offer over at AnchorFishPrinting.com. You can hit them up for all your merch needs, whether it's screen printing, embroidery, or maybe you just need some stickers. Mention the first ever podcast and get 10% off your order. Welcome to the first ever podcast. I am your host, Jeremy Bolm. If this is your first time here, this is a show where I interview artists of all kinds about the first experiences in their art form that led them to where they are today. My guest this week for episode 105 is one of my favorite people I've met through music, Mr. Kyle Durfee of the band Pianos Become the Teeth. They have a brand new record. It's out now on Epitaph. It's called Drift, and they have a tour supporting that record, which starts September 2nd in uh, Cambridge, Massachusetts. So a lot going on. Um, Anytime Pianos puts out a new record, it's always a very exciting situation. This band has evolved and grown and done such marvelous, incredible things throughout the uh, time that they've been a band I was just so excited to talk to Kyle. I was waiting for them to put out this record to uh, have an excuse to drag him on to talk to me. And it was such an awesome conversation. And I want to mention, if you're new here, there is a bonus episode available right now where Kyle answered questions that were submitted by subscribers. You can access that and also have the opportunity to submit questions to upcoming guests and so much other stuff. If you head on over to the Patreon, which is patreon.com slash the first ever Patreon, uh, help support the show and you get a lot of fun stuff with it. Um, I'll also throw out there that if you haven't subscribed to the show on Apple or Spotify, wherever you're listening to this, that would mean a whole lot. Leaving a positive rating review as every podcast asks you to do also means a whole lot. You know, I rarely mention Touche stuff, but I might as well, right? Uh, Touche goes on tour in Europe um, mid-October with Coheed and Cambria and Thrice. We'll be supporting those bands. Um, Tickets are on sale now for that. And then we fly directly from that European-UK tour directly to New Jersey, where we start a full U.S. tour supporting our friends in the Menzingers. It's a 10-year anniversary tour for On the Impossible Past, and uh, we're honored to be a part of it. It's us and Screaming Females supporting the Menzingers. Check our tour dates. If uh, you're interested in catching us, uh, head on over to toucheamore.com slash tour. Um, All right, without further ado, here is my conversation with my friend Kyle Durfee. Hey Kyle, <laughs> what's up, man? <laughs> hey, was <that? laughs> How you doing, man? I'm good. I'm good. You're the first official was that for the for the <laughs> podcast? Welcome, welcome. I'm honored. <laughs> um. Yeah. I mean, we're you know, as as these things often start, we are just bullshitting for a second before we we started. You know, it's been uh, obviously the last time I saw you was uh, I think yeah, just you and Mike stopped by. Uh, when we played in Baltimore, the, with the soundstage the show. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. and uh, you know, short, a short, just hello is, is never enough. So I'm excited to actually like hang out with you here for, yeah. for just a little bit, um, yeah. in your, in your busy chaotic life that you currently have. <laughs> right. <laughs> Pure chaos. Uh, yeah. Um, but I mean, I mean, it's also, you know, exciting for a ton of reasons. Um, you have a new record coming. I, I remember talking with you guys and uh, Mike even sent us the record around that time. So it's obviously been done for quite, quite a while now mm-hmm. at this point. Um, when did, when did you finish like your part of recording that record? How long has it been for you?
1: So it's been probably almost exactly a year now since I've been done. Cause I remember it was sweltering heat when I was going into Kevin's studio last year. So I was wrapping up right around this time. So we've been sitting on it for a little while.
0: Yeah, and how long did, uh, like, was that recording process um, the usual, like, you know, you guys go into the studio for a couple of weeks, or or because it's a, a friend that you guys have obviously worked with in the past, we'll probably talk a little bit about that later on, but, like, mm-hmm. um, was it the kind of relationship where you guys can kind of come and go just on your own schedule?
1: I can say with 100% confidence that this record probably wouldn't have happened if it weren't for Kevin, because it just... It, the amount of patience he had and just his willingness to work around our schedules and just everything about it. Like he was, he lives literally three minutes down the road from my house. Um, Oh my God. That's a, that's a blessing
0: and a curse kind of
1: true, true. So like I would go there for like an hour. Sometimes I'd be there for like six hours sometimes, you know? Um, but with, with writing this record, we kind of, I don't know. We had a lot of stuff ready to go, but it really came together in the studio. um, and Kevin was just so willing to work with all of our lives. You know what I mean? Like we were there all together for probably like, I'd say two weeks, give or take. And then after
0: that, we were all just kind of coming and going as we could. Um, sure. And so for people li- yeah. And for people listening, uh, Kevin's the person who did uh old pride and lack long after, right. Did you only yeah, do those yeah. two or did you guys yeah. do any other recordings with him ever? Uh, No. It was, yeah. Just those two. Yeah. Okay, cool. Sometimes uh, I mean, like we're guilty of this where, um, If we have like our local friend, you know, like uh, I'm sure you've met throughout the you knew Alex Estrada, you know, Alex Estrada, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. We we toured UK with Silver Snakes. There you go. I figured as much. Um, But yeah, like Alex, who recorded our first record. Um, Going forward, like every time we have a new album that we're going to go record, we go usually record the entire thing with Alex pre-pro before we go in just to like kind of feel it out. So I was wondering if maybe you had that sort of a relationship. But um,
1: well, I mean, maybe from here on out, we might do that. Um, And like Kevin's always been a solid ear for us, even when we were not recording with him. I know Mike would send him demos and Kevin would kind of like lend his ear and be like, well, this is cool. This is kind of weird, you know? So he's always been super honest with us, even if we weren't going with him. So yeah, he's, I mean, he's like a true buddy first off, you know,
0: that's the, it's truly like a, uh, it's a great hack to have for a band, especially a band that's been a long, been around as long as you guys have, where you have that trusted person who obviously knows you guys all personally knows how you are as musicians. And then also can give you honest feedback on something, you know, no, dude,
1: it's, it's the best. It's like, yeah he knows exactly where we come from he knows what we have sounded like in the past he knows what we sound like now there's no like pretense going in to record with him you know what i mean it's like we just go in there like all right we're gonna write ready, ready record another record cool you know like <laughs> like he's, he's just one of the most unassuming people i've ever met in terms of just being a friend and also just like a recording engineer he's just like he's just down you know he's, he's
0: right he's ready to do it you know um it's you're now it's funny you're now the second person that I have to give a funny apology to, to where uh, if you remember, many years ago, I was like, "I'm going to start a podcast," and then I invited you over to my <laughs> place, <laughs> and then you and I had a really wonderful conversation for probably 90 minutes, and then I never put it out because <laughs> I am a failure. So I want to formally apologize for you to you for uh, for not ever for wasting your time, basically. Um, oh, dude, all
1: good. <laughs> Honestly, it's like even if it never came out, that's fine. But you helped me kind of just kill some boredom because I feel like the rest of the guys went to, did they go to, I don't know if they went to like the Fender warehouse or they went somewhere <laughs> and like, and don't get me wrong. Like I would love to go there, but like after about 20 minutes, I'd be like, Oh, these guitars are beautiful. All right, I'm ready to leave. And then they'd be there for like three hours, just rip it you know what i mean it's just like that you saved me some boredom for sure
0: yeah there's like uh i think chris Farron was the other person that that i talked to and he was just like oh let me tell you if that conversation never came out that'd be fine because i was probably a little bit of a different person met that point <laughs> right, in my life. for sure because <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, so long yeah. ago at this point oh yeah um, but uh but yeah it's like yeah, you we- chris Farron, aaron weiss of uh, well <laughs> frank turner there was like a handful of people that were kind enough because i had this i'm gonna do a podcast idea right and then um oh jamie from title fight but my pro i was just like i'm constantly i don't know if you've ever dealt with this or whatever but like the cart before the horse person where i was like super excited to talk to my friends and like get this thing going and then i was like wait edit it that sounds like shit and i just (laughs) (laughs) i tried to start editing it and i realized i'm terrible at it so i was like what yeah so i so thankfully once you know I had the opportunity to do this. Like, I thankfully have an editor I can trust who I could pass this off to because I can't be trusted to do something right. that like big of a task. I'm also like, I'd Frankenstein it too much because I'd be afraid of every um that I said. So, oh, for sure. Yeah. Well, yeah.
1: Listen, it's not where you were, it's where you are now. Look at the podcast now. It's awesome. You're doing I
0: appreci- it. I appreciate that. I, this is crazy that <laughs> I'm like over, you know, this is, I have this listed as episode 109. I, these always come out out of order, but like, yeah, it's uh, it's it's certainly been really nice over these last couple of years to do exactly this, like catch up with friends that I haven't, you know, got to see too much in these last bunch of years. And uh, for sure. and, you know, there's like I've been saying to friends also, it's like I have this laundry, long laundry list of people that I know I'm going to talk to or I want to talk to, but I have to I purposely wait for like them to have something sick going on. So it sure, like yeah. works out. So like. Obviously, I've been wanting to have you on the show since it started because you're one of my really, really close friends in this music world, but it took to this point. But I haven't done anything. (laughs) You guys had to put out a new record. Right, right. So here we are. Here we are. Here we are. I'll talk to you Um, in another
1: four years. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly.
0: (laughs) um so uh what's also great is i didn't revisit that conversation that we had so um i likely forgot um, at least a quarter of the stuff that we talked about so um so we can sort of go over some of that same things and it won't be offensive um uh you're not from like baltimore city originally right you're kind of from around the, the surrounding area yeah um so
1: i'm an army brat my dad was in the army so we moved around quite a bit when i was younger but then i moved to maryland when i was when i say like six uh to a place called Bowie, maryland and then when i was like six or seven we moved to crofton so crofton's kind of in between like it's kind of like central to like annapolis dc and baltimore kind of like the three big ones it's kind of like smack dab in the middle so from crofton to baltimore city it's like I can be in the city in like half hour, give or take, you know what I mean? Half hour, 45 minutes. Um, But when my parents decided to move back up to upstate Buffalo, because they're both from that area, um, I was just like, well, I'm not going to go up there. So I just moved to the nearest city that I was the most comfortable with. You know, it was either for me, it was either Baltimore or DC. And I never really spent too much time in DC. So it was Baltimore. So they moved
0: back up there when you were like, like older. So yeah, when I was twenty.
1: To, I think my parents moved because my dad got sick and all their right. family was up there. So they went and uh, they had the whole family sports system up there. So they moved up there and then I moved. Yeah, I moved to the city. So that was 2007, I believe 2006, 2007. Sure. My mind, like I've like oh, worst memory when it comes to this stuff, but yeah, I'm pretty sure it was around though.
0: Yeah. I feel like I used to have this really sharp callback system. It has completely these last couple oh, of yeah. years. It's just, it's gone. Yeah, it's just this is gone. not this is
1: not a steel trap whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, but uh, so, the, I mean, the first question I usually ask uh, musicians is: uh, When you were young, what was the first thing that you connected with musically that felt like it was yours? Maybe not something that was being played in the house, but something that maybe you found on your own that gave you some sort of maybe sense of identity as a, as a younger person. Um,
1: that's a good question. I feel like in general, in terms of getting into like underground music I was kind of a late bloomer you know what I mean um I mean, growing up literally anything yeah yeah that
0: you found yeah yeah yeah
1: um I don't know I'd say like like my dad was really into Billy Joel you know like all those records I grew up listening to those um I don't know. Yeah. It was just a lot of just like random stuff. Like my mom, like I grew up in the church cause my mom went to church and she was always into like Stephen Curtis Chapman and shit like that. You know what I mean? All the, like Twyla Paris, all this stuff. So I feel like I grew up listening to all that stuff and like Garth Brooks and all that. And it's so like, some I dug, some I did not like, but I feel like all of that kind of stuff, I don't know. Like that was always in my periphery. Um, sure. but I feel like I never really found like my own music until, um, the church I went to is called Mount Oak and they had like Christian hardcore shows and my mom would serve like pizza and soda in the back and we'd go to the shows together. And I, that was probably when I was like, I don't know, maybe like 12 or 13. I don't know. But like, okay. Christian, Christian hardcore bands would come through. Um, and I'd go to those shows and i would be like, Oh, this is sick. Like, I remember seeing like, it was like Zayo or like project 86 and like stave Do you know you know like all those like like, yeah like big yeah like like bigger band yeah they had like this big gymnasium in the church yeah and then they did this thing called mo fest like mount oak fest and it was out in the field and they had like huge christian bands come play like like uh switchfoot played one year i think this is before it got like like huge but like yeah they did all those sorts of things so i feel like that kind of opened my world to like more aggressive music and just like different things in general you know what i mean have you
0: have you ever talked to your mom now once you got older to be like what did you think of those shows <laughs> like, like
1: well, i blame her i'm like i blame you for me and my taste you know what I mean? sure yeah but I, think, I mean it's... yeah all that stuff's all like so it can be so scary for a parent but i think since it was like framed in a like a religious light it was okay you know what i mean it's like of oh course. these are like these are weird bands but like they're christian so it's okay it's like if you only knew you
0: know. <laughs> right but, oh it's yeah. so funny like i was expecting you to say like oh it's you know like the local kids who were christian hardcore bands or or whatever else but i love that it was like genuinely like the the top tier of the Christian All, hardcore no, for bands. sure
1: yeah and i i definitely like in that church i i met friends who had like older brothers who listened to like hardcore outside of the church and that's kind of where my journey has led you know but um but yeah just like that's pretty much what i'd say that's where it started
0: Yeah, I mean, like, I think once a kid discovers, even if they're obviously coming from specifically the Christian world, if they hear Zayo, someone around there is going to be like, well, there's some secular bands that, you know, if you like this, you're going to like Converge. You're going to like, you know, this sort of stuff. Um, What was, uh, and it could be anything, what was the first concert you went to?
1: oh again my memory i I think it was it had to have been some like christian like i want to say it was like Stephen chris chapman who and i it was probably at some like random big church in the area or something like that um but and yeah i don't know i feel like i went to so many like weird christian shows like that as my first shows but like i don't really have memories of them because i didn't care you know
0: (laughs) (laughs) um was that something that was like apparent to you early on where you're where you saw like, did you feel the difference between what would be considered just like specifically Christian and what would be non-Christian? Like, is that something that like registered with you very much? I think so. Because it's so,
1: I I don't know, at least with like my experience, I feel like so much of that stuff is like com- compartmentalized. Like you go into like the Christian bookstore and there's like all this Christian music. It's like a whole world that's like outside of like the secular realm. You know what I mean? It, it's yeah. just like, it's weird. <laughs>
0: Did You ever, so, uh, have you ever had these talks with um, like a John Simmons or a Luke Schwartz or anything like that? Because I think they all, I think that all their first band experiences were like playing in like the church band kind of, yeah, like, yeah, like, we
1: yeah. We've kind of like brushed the surface a little bit talking about that stuff, we haven't like, gone on deep dives, but yeah, I think it's it's probably the same kind of thing
0: for sure, yeah. Um, did uh I don't know if I know this did you ever play or like try to play any instruments before you just were singing in bands like did you ever try to play guitar or anything like that
1: Uh, yeah I so I got an electric guitar and I could play I actually took lessons and it was like fine you know like I didn't really dislike it but I didn't like take to the guitar immediately and I was just kind of like I would just try to like play play along with songs you know what I mean? But I don't know. I never. I feel like I'm just a little bit better at guitar now than I was then. You know, it's just from like dicking around on Mike's guitar when I'm bored. Um, yeah. But like, I actually I played bass in a hardcore band called Counting the Days. They were on um, what was that subsidiary subsidiary of um Face Down? It was like
0: oh, oh I think it was called Strike
1: First. Um, okay. So they put out a record or two. I um I didn't actually play on the record, but I toured with them. Um, just wow. like close, close buddies. You probably met. You know, did you meet? You met Josh, who played bass for pianos, right? Like a long time ago. Did you ever meet him?
0: Oh, maybe I did. Yeah. I apologize. I, if okay, I, I, not no,
1: there, I yeah. um, I actually I don't know when you would have. Now that I think about it, but yeah, but he sang. Yeah, he sang for counting the days. So okay. yeah, so when pianos needed a bass player later,
0: he came in and played bass. We kind of swapped. Um, but so yeah, I'm not, I yeah, so like you was it a thing where like they needed a bass player and you were like, well, shit, I want to do this. So I'm going to learn how to play bass. Cause I was playing guitar. Like what was the, what was the thought process?
1: Well, or how did it go? learn to play bass is very generous. <laughs> um, it was kind of like my buddy Dustin, he played guitar in kind of days. He, he was like, we all to like double T diner one night and he was like, Hey, like we have a record. We're about to do this like two months or like, it was like a month and a half long tour with Bruner. And then it was like a month long tour with looking forward. Like that band X looking forward X. Yeah. Um, and they're like and we don't really have a bass player would you like want to be like would you want to fill in for these tours and i was like sure so like dustin just came over and like taught me the songs we ran through it and that was essentially like the first time i'd ever really played bass you know and wow. then after the fact they asked me to join the band so i was in the band for like a year year and a half and played some shows and then i was planning on going back to school they did a european tour and i was planning on going to school it didn't end up happening but i just like i ended up leaving the band but um yeah, that was it. But yeah, so was,
0: yeah, is that your was that your first band experience?
1: No, that was my second band. My first band was a band called Cartel. Cartel Lover, and it was like, it, <laughs> yeah, it was, <laughs> uh, yeah, it was like a mix. It it wasn't good, but it was like we were trying to be. I think like me without you meets Q and not you meets like Hot Cross or something. You know, I dude,
0: like, I I, I would have been in.
1: That, it, that, I sure in, i know you would have. It, like it was if it was i was like, in
0: your scene that's that's you just named three things i really like
1: for sure um it didn't sound like any of those bands I'm, but those I'm,
0: are, I'm, <laughs> yeah, you might have liked those bands but did it sound like those bands is the sure question.
1: yeah so it was just kind of like dancey moody rock kind of not really dancy, but like jangly moody rock i don't know um i feel like for, for my first band ever sure. it could have been way worse but and what did you do in the band i sang Oh, okay, okay, okay. I was friends with this girl Shannon, and she was dating the this dude Brian who played drums. And he, he um, down the line, he was actually the original drummer for Pianos too. But um, he was like, "Yeah, we're trying to start a band. We need a singer." And I was like, "I'll sing." I don't know, you know, I'd never done it before. I was like, "Yeah, I want to be in a band. Cool." And then I just went to practice and sang. And uh, I, re- <laughs> I remember tracking one song. We actually came time to like actually recording. Um, and I, like I went down in the basement to do it by myself, and I went back up. All the guys were waiting upstairs, and I was like, so "How does it sound?" And then Sean was like, "Well, it's loud." <laughs> oh, <laughs> well, you know, no. That's all he said. So I was like, "All right." Um, but yeah, I don't know. I think gained confidence over the years, you know. <laughs> Sorry. Were you just
0: were you just like screaming in the band, or were you like trying to sing, or what was? The, oh, it, what it, was, was the it was just.
1: It was like loud screamy stuff you know it was kind of like, like the aaron White sort of yell yell yeah yell
0: talk thing
1: yeah yeah, yeah. okay it, it wasn't good at the time but sure i was trying
0: yeah i want to i want to hear that i want to hear that I, so bad
1: there's got to be i know for a fact either i or mike have like a demo cd and like i still have all my it's like the one thing that i've kept is like my box of cds i don't know why i still have them they're probably gonna go when we move but like I, it's got to be down there somewhere, so if sure. I, I'll, I'll, dig, I'll try to dig it up and I'll send it to you.
0: <laughs> if you, if you. If you need to listen to it first to verify, you want to send it to me, I will understand. But uh, I
1: guarantee but, you, if I listen to it, I won't. I won't send it to you. <laughs> <laughs> it's better if I just put it in an envelope and send it your way. Just,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my god, that's so good. Um, wow, that's fascinating. So how long? Wait, so how long did that band last? Or, or how uh, long were you? The, did you like? So you sang you in this recording situation, but did you stick in the band like how did yeah, this, yeah. so like... we
1: we yeah, we recorded an e p and we played some local shows and we did like a ten day tour um tour but that was wow. pretty okay. much, yeah yeah, but um that was pretty much it um the guitarist was an accountant, and so he just he was busy, and then um we wanted to yeah, just every everyone like everyone had stuff going on, so it kind of fizzled out, and then that's kind of how piano is formed.
0: So Um, was that your first was that your first touring experience or had the bass player uh, fill in? Was that your first tour experience? Were they happening around the same time?
1: So um, actually, no, I'm getting it wasn't. I'm getting completely mixed up. Cartel was not my first experience. Counting the Days was the first experience. And then Pianos, that 10 day tour with that, like most of the people from Cartel, Cartel were in Pianos when we first started. And then we did a 10 day tour. Yeah, sorry. Okay. Um, no, you're fine. But. Yeah, so after that ten day tour, a couple people realized that like it wasn't really for them, and like the guitarist was an accountant. And then Mike and I and the keyboard player at the time wanted to keep like really pushing it, so we kind of had to have a sit down and be like, "Are we going to do this? or Are we not?" So the three of us kept going and got new people. Mike, Matt, and I got kept going, and then the other three kind of bowed out. We're still friends with all those guys, of course. Um, and then yeah, and then the keyboardist left in time, and then it was david chad me mike and then josh and then josh left and then zach so it's been zach it's been this lineup since like 2008 or 9 i think now so sure quite a while yeah yeah
0: um those first that like first tour experience were like when you get back it makes people realize like you know what i don't (laughs) know that this there's something very um powerful about that and uh it's it's like a part of the it's the silver lining of... of uh, It's not a great silver lining, but it's like... It, it is that, like, do you have this in you to get through this? If we were For to sure. do it more and more. Um, yeah. What are some things that you remember from that first tour experience? Like, is there anything that stands out as like, uh, oh boy, that was tough?
1: Uh, it was so long ago now, and it was like... I, I feel like all of the funny memories are from, like, later, later sure. tours with, like, Zach and Chad and all them in the band. But I remember oh god well there was this band on like tooth and nail uh and then there were none do you remember that band at all i don't all right well it, <laughs> they were like a heavy like as i lay dying kind of band or whatever um but then later they changed to like a weird techno like dance band i don't know but i remember they they were doing like a coming home show they'd just been on tour and they were coming home and we got added to this show last minute and then they played and then we had to play after and they're like They're like, yeah, so uh, some band's going to play after us. I think they're called, like, Piano... I I think they're called Jimmy World. Who gives a shit? And they played their last song, and then literally, like, everybody left except for, like, the singer's girlfriend, and she, like, was trying to be nice and, like, watched one, like, half of a song and then left. So it was literally us playing to, like, an empty room when there was, like, 500 kids there two seconds ago. Oh.
0: So, that was the yeah. highlight of that tour. <laughs> yeah, didn't didn't do you any favors by saying that. Jesus it, Christ. Yeah.
1: So pretty, that whole tour was pretty much like not the best show. You, you know how it goes, man. It's of the course. same. Yeah, yeah. Um but it like it, it is funny how it's like you come home from that, and it's like some people are like, oh, I don't know, this is for me, and then the rest of us like, oh, I love this. You know, it's funny yeah. how it's either like one or the other. Yeah, it's
0: uh those, you know, like every you know, it's like a, it's not uncommon knowledge that the first bunch of tours are always the hardest the gnarliest places you sleep and and and, you know maybe sleeping in a walmart parking lot sleeping in the van like all of that (laughs) sort of stuff but like it really does uh let you know pretty quickly who can who can stick it out who can hang uh, yeah who can who can find the joy in some of those situations
1: (laughs) right and also like those are some of those are the funniest memories we have as a band you know just those tours that we did it's like those early ones, you know, it's like everything funny that we still laugh about and make fun of. It's like from those initial early tours.
0: One hundred thousand percent. I just, uh, we just did a bunch of shows on it. I mean, like we've done so many shows with them now in the last bunch of months, but this band scowl, they're like a newer (laughs) band, you know? (laughs) Yeah. yeah. And, um, they, I, I'm so stoked on them because they literally just did like four tours back to back. And like, we're gone for almost four months straight. Like I haven't seen a band do that in a long time, like grind that hard. Yeah. And you know, we saw them at different parts of that tour where you could sell that they've been just gone and <laughs> their on it, souls you know? had been beaten down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and uh I remember telling one of them, I was like, I was like, I know this is so rough. And I know you're like can't wait to get home. I was like, I promise you this is gonna be the four oh, yeah. months that the that the four of you talk about the rest of your time. Oh, I for sure. Think. It's gonna last
1: their lifetime. Yeah, yeah, man. It's the best.
0: Yeah. The worst things that happen, the hardest times are the things that you consistently will bring up and be like holy shit remember that yeah, um speaking sure. of that just reminds me um so jordan and i talked on the show recently and uh we brought up super happy Funland, and i was like pianos uh. <laughs> stayed there
1: dude um we did we, we have so then, many stories from that one night it's <laughs>
0: someone recently and then someone commented being like that place is still open and doing shows like how crazy is that oh yeah.
1: my god dude I remember pulling up pulling up to that venue and I think it was Zach being like well this place doesn't look super happy or fun <laughs> you know it's just like this random <laughs> terrible looking building in the middle of nowhere it's like the outskirt just, like that's t- yeah. like I just remember
0: it's like maybe by like a, like a like a like a train like a railroad or something it felt very oh outskirts my.
1: very barren very barren yeah.
0: Very very barren. There was definitely and there's people- like all
1: sorts of weird shit in there too. Like, I, yeah, I don't know. I kind of want to go back.
0: Yeah, it feels like out of a horror movie. So when we when we then were told by you all that you're like, oh yeah, we stayed there. We we're just like, yeah. Pianos is the roadest it, doggest of the roughest doggest.
1: We are idiots. <laughs> <laughs> just man i mean like it, now it would never happen but yeah back in the day we we're just like oh yeah we'll sleep anywhere
0: go it's free i mean it's a roof yeah it's a roof yeah it, yeah it's warm yeah. yeah i do think it was cement inside which is also just like i think the floor was just cement which oh is yeah just i like, think like, someone I slept be... on the
1: cement and then some people slept on that like wooden stage or whatever yeah For
0: sure <laughs> oh. yeah yeah inhaling god knows what <laughs> Today's episode is brought to you by Deathwish, Inc. For over 20 years, Deathwish has been the go-to label for emerging punk and hardcore. That continues today with recent releases from scene staples and promising newcomers such as Modern Life is War, Greek Death, Chastity, Converge, Frail Body, and more. Get 10% off all Deathwish music and merch in their store right now using the link deathwishinc.com slash ever which automatically applies the discount and filters the site for all items included. Again, that is 10% off all Deathwish releases and merch at deathwishing.com slash the first ever. Do you want a recommendation? How about gouge away burnt sugar? So was your first rec- recording experience doing those vocals when you were told you were loud? Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: So that was me kind of just by myself, just doing like test demos. But Cartel actually recorded with Mike. Mike was always like our go-to guy who kind of like knew how Mike to engineer. York? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So um, we recorded that EP with him. Um, so that was my first experience. And it was fun because it was Mike, but I also hated it. And like so, since then, until this day, I've forever hated recording. Maybe up until this last record. I actually, sure. I think, for the first time actually like enjoyed the process of recording vocals with this last record, but that's not to discredit anybody I recorded with. I just like stressed myself out so hard, you know, just like recording vocals is just the absolute worst. Um, but yeah, so it went pretty well, but I, I, I got the worst headache screaming, you know, I know you can relate to that. Um, yeah, yeah. But like over that time kind of learned what, how my voice acted, you know, like I don't know if my voice got better, but I learned how my body like functioned. So that was a good thing that came out of
0: that Um, over the years. I mean, that's that's kind of an interesting segue, but like over the years, because you've had different ways of recording vocals like um, are there is it just does it do new things that make you anxious or, or have a hard time? Like, have those been replaced by other things, you know, because obviously you're not screaming anymore, right. but are there new challenges that you're that you've been facing these last couple of records that maybe you weren't <laughs> expecting?
1: Um, I, I get horse a lot more, or I got horse a lot more singing than I ever did screaming. True. Wow. So, so yeah, like spent like going on tour when we were touring to keep you pretty hard. I feel like my voice got really strong and I got used to it. But like those first couple shows were brutal just because a completely different way of pushing, you know, like, I feel like I'd go on tour for a month and scream and I'd be fine. But then like a week of singing, I was like, I need a break. Um, is it?
0: is it cuz i cuz i've never thought I had to think about this uh is it because um do you think your body is trying to compete with the loud music like and oh, with for sure. with like with 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 like trying to be melodic vo- like vocally you know it's like you're, you're used to screaming with these loud with the loud yeah. music so yeah. now your your brain is probably used to that so now you're pushing maybe the same amount with exactly. the melody yeah 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 no, exactly
1: and it's like and we've always been a pretty loud stage band to or like a yeah, loud band on stage. So it's like trying to compete with that and like hear myself in the monitor while I'm trying to sing like in key is always oh. just extremely challenging. We're at we're talking about for these shows, maybe doing in ear. We've talked about doing in ears forever, and like I've always wanted to try it, but we just haven't had it in like the budget to get what we actually need, you know. So we're talking about this time around. I think like at this point, it's like my hearing, like my right ear is like starting to struggle a little bit. It's like I need in ears, you know, I need something to help me if we're going to keep playing at this volume. So We'll see what no, happens.
0: I, I I feel it. I, dude, I mean, having to compete with with David alone dude, it seems. I think tough. Yeah,
1: Like the practice space that we practice in forever at drums. Like it's called Drums Unlimited. We've been lucky enough to have that space forever. Like I sit right here, and then David sits to the right of me, and my right ear is like starting to lose a little bit. It's because David's cymbal has been here for the past decade. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It's just yeah. It's so wear, loud. Do
0: you, do you wear earplugs in practice?
1: Oh yeah, I have to now. Okay. Like I I wear earplugs everywhere i go now <laughs> i have sure. to you know what i mean I, like my ears are so sensitive now it's crazy
0: yeah i mean i feel like the the pandemic alone being away from music for so long or being away from loud things for so long when shows when oh i started going back to shows i was like oh my god dude yeah
1: <laughs> yeah yeah pianos hasn't played a show in a while but i play in the other band burial waves and like our yeah. first couple shows i was like this is so like soul crushingly loud in my head right now like i couldn't believe it you know yeah uh, yeah like taking like i have to wear earplugs now or else i just like i literally won't be able to hear
0: at what point did you start because you obviously that means you you wear them when you play when did you start Mm. wearing earplugs? when you start when you were playing live was that something you were conscious of early on
1: um i didn't start wearing them until probably (laughs) until way too late uh yeah probably probably keep you era i started wearing them just just because it's like the frequencies would kind of mess with me too trying to stay in key and stuff like that so honestly it's like when you have your plugs in you can kind of hear your inner monologue a little bit more um so i don't yeah it always helped me kind of sing in the right register but yeah i'd say sure. keep you era
0: yeah i i still can't do it live and yeah, i'm, I'm yeah. just like i'm so fucked i'm Dude, my, yeah, my ears I, are shot yeah
1: it, it definitely it's it's a strange feeling you know what i mean it's like is, if the music for some reason isn't as loud like one particular night i can definitely hear it's like oh shit like i have to take them out you know but that's
0: yeah. that's rarely the case so uh what maybe we covered it what was the what was the first show you ever played and what band was that with
1: so that was cartel cartel lover okay. and we played it some some church like rec center across the Bay bridge, actually close to where Zach lives. Um, I want to say it was like I had the churchville rec center. I don't know, whatever. But yeah, we played with a bunch of other like local bands that we were friends with and it went fairly well. Like I had my back to the crowd the entire time. I think maybe I turned around once I was like, "Hi, we're going to talk a lot," turn back <laughs> around. <you know? laughs> um, but yeah. And then I feel like honestly for probably a few more years after that, I kind of had my back to the crowd the entire time, but that's that's
0: it's the upside of uh of it's it's a it's a great defense mechanism to be like no man i like screamo it it, it awards me the opportunity to play sure. with my back to you and right. that's what you're supposed to do yeah yeah let me let me hide my severe anxiety you know yeah do you remember the point in which that changed for you where you were getting more confident with facing the crowd i feel like i've never really talked to people about that before what do you yeah.
1: think yeah um I think honestly it just once people were starting to like gravitate towards the band a little bit and like we could tell people kind of knew the songs. I felt more comfortable to kind of engage because they were engaging. You know, I could tell they wanted to engage. Um, therefore I would engage back. But like I've never been that like the guy to kinda like, What uh you know what I mean? Like I'm not gonna confront somebody. <laughs> like if you want to like stand there and watch, I'm not gonna be in your face, and be like, Fuck you. You know, I just that I'm like it's that's fun to watch sometimes but like i'm not that guy we're not that band um oh if anything i if anything i haven't engaged as much as i probably could have you know what i mean when we're playing heavier stuff but
0: kyle nothing (laughs) there's nothing in the world that i would like more than for your new stage persona for this new record in particular for you guys to come out and just be like what's up motherfuckers
1: new (laughs) record new me what the fuck is up
0: (laughs) this song's called genevieve
1: <laughs> 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 you know it's
0: yeah. <laughs> uh it's funny george, uh i think we even talked about it on his episode but george from deaf heaven um they went on tour with lamp it was like them Lamb of god and uh and like power trip or something many years ago and um uh, obviously it's like they quite different the Lamb of God and like, you know, they sort of had their reputation where, you know, there was like the whole like, oh, they're fake metal, like all that <laughs> all that sort of shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they went out being like, you know, we're just gonna give it our all and, and everything like that. But uh but I think it was Randy Blythe was like was like, Oh, they love it when you call a motherfucker like whatever so george on that tour just developed this like what's up and just the crowd ate it up and he was like and then just all of a sudden the audience was down with us just they loved. hell to yeah the motherfucker i'm <laughs> back it. yeah yeah um so when when P- it sounds so when pianos first started was the idea for it to kind of be like a side project or something like because it was sharing members like what do you remember what the thought process there was
1: uh I don't really remember. I remember pianos was supposed to be like the main thing because pianos had started a little bit it was at the same time as I was in counting the days. So I was I did that tour while I was in pianos. Um but pianos was always supposed to be the focus. Okay.
0: Okay. Yeah. And uh I was stoked. I was able I found the the music for the for that first demo. And I was like really taken back by the other track, like the fact that there's like an 11 minute like post rock song on it. Are you talking about Saltwater? No, no. There's what like a you, There's a the 2007, 2007 demo. It's just two songs. Um, I would love if you have if unless there's the internet Wait, playing is something it? wrong. It's uh I, there's a demo that was on a CDR it has uh that song I'm talking is it, about is All Children Make Mistakes. All Children Make Mistakes. Like, okay, yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, it's got it's like an 11 minute like post-rock song yeah dude i go ahead i vaguely remember that song (laughs) i have to listen to it again you know i don't think there's vocals i mean i was i saw how long it was so i was like skipping through it but i was like this is just like a beautiful post-rock song and it's like wild that you had that so early on and then then you know a lot of those elements came a lot more prominent in the music you were making later on but it was interesting to hear that on a 2007 demo
1: Yeah. um, I think the initial goal with pianos when we started out was to be like a heavy, like explosions in the sky or something like that. You know what I mean? Like super, super, super melodic with like whatever vocals on top of it. I think that was the initial plan. And then it, I mean, obviously it morphed into what it is and what it became. Um, But yeah, I think it was always, it was always about being like really, really melodic in the very beginning
0: sure because yeah it's that song a lot song of the... a tremolo <laughs> yeah 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 it's that song yeah. in the idiosyncrasies song yeah idiosyncrasies uh, yeah 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 yeah. it's just it's just those two on it i was and i okay so yeah I... those
1: two i'm pretty sure that both those are on our first ep it's called Saltwater. right um
0: yeah yeah okay cool um yeah, it's, <laughs> it's oh so that's right the, yeah I mean. those those two songs are on Saltwater. yeah okay, they're in the middle yeah, yeah. there do you know if they're different recordings or if those would have been the same recordings uh, like, did you re-record those songs? I'm putting you right on the spotlight probably. right now. <laughs> yeah,
1: probably, Mike's probably just like, no, we didn't do. <laughs> like, I really don't. I truly, my memory when it comes to that kind of stuff is so, so poor. Like, I'm such a luddite too when it comes to like recording and all. The, you know, I just like, I don't remember it. I don't like,
0: I, yeah. Sure, I guess. Zach it. So, has
1: such a good memory when it comes to that stuff. He would be able to like, answer these questions like that.
0: Um. Well, then let's let's talk about so. Uh, you did salt water then, so let's pretend they were this, just for the sake of conversation. We'll just pretend <laughs> they're the same session. Uh, okay, those were with uh, someone named Alex Champagne. Um, yeah, so okay.
1: yeah, that, that was our buddy Alex. He he had had free access to the rec- recording studio at UMBC College um, in Maryland. So he, I think we threw him a little cash, and he'd record those for us, and then. Mike went to the same college, and then he kind of took the reins, recording other stuff down the line, like demos for other records, stuff like that.
0: Okay. Um, yeah. And obviously, you guys, you know, at that time had uh, had a synthesizer player and things like that. And but what I wanted to ask you was because I hadn't revisited that EP since a really, really long time. Why not? But I for- <laughs> 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 oh, you're incredible. Um, but I, you know, with listening to the to the vocal stuff in there, be there is that mix of um of sing scream sort of stuff. Who was doing the like? I hate the word clean vocals, but like, who was doing that stuff? Uh, during that was, that was that also you?
1: No, that was that was like the synthesizer player Matt. Okay. Um. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So he left before we did Old Pride, like right, right. before we did Old Pride, because he was he was a philosophy major. Like he's got his like masters like he's he's brilliant he was just like so involved with school he kind of had to bow out like he's still one of my closest friends he he married Lauren and I you know so oh
0: wow yeah so he just he
1: he was too busy to keep up with it but yeah yeah, that was him that's him on on those songs
0: when he left um was that because sometimes when you know members that feel prominent where obviously you know he's a doing the second part of vocals he's right. adding all the background stuff like was it tough to figure out if you wanted to stay a band you know like i mean i'm just thinking you know when we lost our original drummer at first before we get, before elliot joined like there was a point where we we're like fuck man i don't know if we could still be a band because right. things seem so like oh how could we go you know was sort of a thing like uh do you remember how that felt at the time like was there a nervousness about it
1: uh, I think there was a nervousness. I don't think there was ever talks of like not doing it anymore. Um, it, is, it is funny because Matt and I, I remember we never actually talked about when we were going to be doing vocals in the songs. We kind of <laughs> just like wrote, I kind of like, I mean like, unless I'm just not remembering certain certain times, but like we really would just kind of like we'd be recording or like tracking and I do certain things and he do certain things. Be like, all right, do these work together? Cool. We never actually talk about like, all right, I'm going to do this part. You do this part. Like we never had this conversations. You know? Wow. Which looking back, I'm like, that's insane. But as, I don't know. It's not, I feel like the way I view it, it was never like a dual vocalist kind of thing. It was just kind of like all at once kind of thing, you know?
0: And I mean, that, that really is the sound. I mean, when I, when I first heard it, I was like, oh, that's the sound of this elements of the genre you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. like there's bands yeah, i sure. could point to that definitely do that like you and i definitely does that you know like sure. bands like yeah. that where it is kind of everyone just kind of going at the same time i think i mean yeah. I, I always thought it was i always thought it was cool um and so who was uh it looked like the that was put out by a label called doomed by dawn were those like yeah. friends of yours like what was that what was that situation no
1: that's like a I, I think somebody just like offered to put that out, you know, and yeah. then late, like recently in the past couple of years, a guy, like, I think, um, our manager, Tim hit up, hit them up. And was like, Hey, like I see that you guys like have these, like for some royalty thing was, was not being handled sure. the way it should have been. And then like yeah. the dude or whoever runs that label lost his mind. It was like, like, I don't know. It's it was a whole yeah. thing. It was just it got like, messy. Like a fucking punk band asking for royalties, But it's like, okay, man, we were just seeing what was going, you know. <laughs> what is, um, is, are
0: those songs are those songs on digital? I don't no. know if I know
1: that. Oh, they're no. not. Okay. Okay. Got not it. that I'm aware of. I
0: sure. kind hope not. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sure. Uh, if it is, uh, maybe don't partake because Sure. Yeah we don't know where that goes. Um, sure. yeah. Yeah. So Okay. So, I mean, it's funny, too, because, I, I mean, I feel a lot of people can relate to that stuff when your band is super young and someone just offers to, like, pay to manufacture your CD. All you're thinking about is, like, wait, we'll have a CD that's not blue on the back. It'll, it'll right. have shrink wrap. Like, right. what? Yeah. What? Yeah. We're going to be professional. So, right. no, I think I, a lot definitely... of us... Get into those situations
1: for sure. I definitely remember that feeling of like getting like the the first copy of the CD and be like, "Oh my god, we did it!" You know,
0: yeah, very very cool feeling. Um, and then I was the was that split seven inch around the same time as Old Pride, or was that around the time of Saltwater?
1: Uh, that was right after Saltwater. Is that split with Ezra Joyce? Um, Right, and yeah, that was like in between Saltwater and Old Pride yeah okay if, I, if and, i'm yeah
0: and that looked like that was put out on a label from uh from massachusetts it did i you know when i look at like their catalog it was like a lot of definitely like, east coast screamo stuff and, yeah. and everything else like did they did they just like the saltwater ep and hit you up to put something I think out so.
1: yeah i think it like our we were buddies with that band as a Joyce and they were, I think they were from Jersey if I remember correctly. And mm-hmm. they were just kind of like, Hey, like, I think it was kind of like, they, they might've known that person who wanted to put it out and you're like, well, do, let's do a split. We're like, okay. Yeah. I think that's how it worked out.
0: Um, were you guys, uh, were any of you guys like big vinyl people? Like was it an exciting thing to get something on vinyl for the first time?
1: It was cool. we we were definitely, I don't think any of us were really like vinyl guys, you yeah. know? Um, but yeah, it was very cool just to have anything pressed that any, our music pressed on anything was uh, was amazing. It still is, you know. I still get stoked anytime we get anything new to like see it in front of me. It's amazing. Yeah, it's
0: a it's it's definitely a really special feeling. I mean, I feel like when you're a band that comes from the genre that that our two bands come from, like especially getting like a like something like a split seven inch the first time, you're like, oh my yeah. god, like this is legitimate yeah. kind of a thing. Yeah, for um, sure. Uh, and then I didn't realize that uh, that old pride also had a label. Originally, at first, that I was unaware of that before Top Shelf took it over, called like Blackjack or something or Black no nah, What was it? Black Jall.
1: Bla- Bla- Black Jaw. So Black Jall was a label run by Dustin and Josh, who played in Counting the Days. Um, oh, like they had started okay. a label. So and they like they put out this other band called Sawhorse, that was like a local like instrumental kind of like Godspeedy band. Um, and they put out, I want to say they put out like the Counting the Days vinyl, and then they put out Old Pride cds um and they probably did a couple other things too but yeah it was really just like friends looking to help bands they liked out you know
0: yeah and that's when your relationship uh with kevin started and Mm -hmm. or i'm assuming is that where your relationship with him started like did you know him leading up to recording that record or is that where you met uh yeah so
1: we met kevin for like with old pride he had done he had recorded a lot of like local bands in the area um I'm sure some that you'd probably would have heard of. Um, but yeah, old pride was our first experience with him and he had a studio downtown. Um, yeah. And that was our first like legit actual like studio experience.
0: Sure. How long did you, I don't know if I know this. How long were you guys, how long did it take you guys to record that record? Do you remember? I'll say like 10 days, I think. Okay. Um, yeah. I'm pretty sure it was 10
1: days. Um, it Like we went in and tracked everything like piece by piece, you know, and I did vocals last and um, yeah, I remember like, that was pretty intense. I remember, um, I remember throwing up in the studio just cause I was like screaming so hard. Like I, I remember we were recording cripples and I walked out and I was just kind of like, walking to the control room, just bent over and just spewed right on the floor. <laughs>
0: oh, <laughs> so no. like, oh,
1: okay. Yeah. So that was fun. But like, I think I've always been not scarred from recording, but just like, it's always been such a like physical thing like unpleasant thing to record that i've always kind of like even when i'm not like exerting that much energy it still has that like mental thing going on when i'm recording vocals you know i know i you can probably relate to that
0: yeah damn um yeah when i look at his uh you know credits it looks like it's a lot of like the very like a389 stuff yeah Yeah, um do you feel like at that point he understood like did he understand what you guys were trying to go for because obviously a lot of that stuff is like super heavy 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 you know pulling teeth style selling bands style bands but um do you feel like he got what you guys were going for i mean the records i mean to this day i feel like that record sounds like it could have been recorded yesterday like it's a very timeless great sounding record
1: thank you yeah yeah he i mean i think kevin always gets amped up working with bands he doesn't usually get to work with Mm -hmm. you know like he just like he loves abrasive hard music but like i think he's like eager to i think since he has that ear for that he has that edge he can make not bands that don't sound like that sound even cooler you know because he has that you know that tool in his toolbox and yeah like he like he loves not having to listen to like blast beats all day when he can you know <laughs>
0: um <laughs> uh, yeah totally it's yeah i mean it, it comes up here now and again but i mean I, a reference i was used is like i mean i personally got so amped when i saw that like kurt blue was doing a joyce manor record a few records ago oh yeah i, I yeah. was just like or was it the last a couple of records ago but yeah i was just like holy shit really like that's yeah what is that gonna sound like or when right, you yeah, like no, the, I, the pygmy lush records or something
1: oh yeah, yeah dude i love the way that pygmy lush record sounds
0: insane yeah yeah yeah
1: yeah, it's the best. I love it. I love it when like engineers are known for one thing and they do some, something completely out of left field and they make it sound incredible.
0: Um, where did your relationship with Top Shelf start? Because that was because uh, Top Shelf, I'm assuming, just like took it over from from or just like took it and made it press it on. Because I actually can't remember. So there was a second when Mayfly was involved for like, was it just like one vinyl pressing and then I Top think, Shelf did yeah. like the CDs or something?
1: I, yeah man it's so long ago now i think it I was, Mayfly was like yeah i'll we'll do like a vinyl release and then i think and and bob was always just like a fan of the band and like always super cool with us like yeah hey, whatever you guys want to do i'll put it this out and then i i want to say like yeah i think top shelf is like cool they'll be able to do more for you than i can awesome like he i think he was just down to help us out it ruled sure um, and i think top chef or <laughs> top Chef. <laughs> top, <laughs> uh <laughs> Sorry Top shelf. Yeah,
0: sorry, sorry,
1: Seth. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, guys. Um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know if Mike had re- reached out to them or if they had hit us up, but we had a lot of mutual friends, um, and they were working with bands that we were friends with. I think it just it was like a mutual kind of thing. Like, hey, we want to put something out. Will you help us out? And they're like, oh, we'd love to. And then it started from there.
0: That makes sense. I mean, that was that was like the prime, like, serendipitous, awesome time where we were all meeting for the same time at the same time those labels were starting to to grow um i mean like our other band had put out seven inches on mayfly and we're like we you know bob was just a guy from from ohio that was nice (laughs) and offered to press it so we're like sure and then Yeah, yeah um i know like defeater had put out something on uh top shelf i think they did like the first pressing maybe of their first record on that label I, I wanna say. So? Yeah, yeah, maybe. Yeah. Um yeah. and
1: Kevin toured with us a bunch too, those first years to Oh know, my man. God, that's right. Yeah.
0: That's right. Wow. Yeah. Um that was, that was
1: a magic time, man. Like everyone just kind of doing everything at the same time.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. I was trying to even remember because, you know, the first time our two bands met was we were just we had that was our first time doing a full US, so that was our very first time ever playing in Maryland. And we mm-hmm. played at Charm City with with you all but i couldn't remember if we were in contact to play that show or if the promoter set it up and put you on that show because i remember i was aware of your band as someone who was like oh i think this is like a legitimately great band from this area and i'm excited to see them play and then obviously we met that night um but i couldn't remember if it was like through a promoter or how that came to be Uh, it was probably we probably just got thrown
1: on the show um but i remember we had met elliot before that cause he was playing with, um, we played some show in California where like the singer was naked and you knew what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. It would have been,
0: been Koala for sure. Where he was Kost, the, yeah. yeah where he was the accordion player. Okay,
1: yeah. I thought it was Koala but I wasn't, you know? Um, yeah. so yeah, we played with them and then like hit it off with Elliot. And then he was like, Oh yeah, I play this other band or whatever. So we knew him. So we kind of had that like mutual thing going. And then we met that night and, bonded over wild hogs because i think you guys had that on like your tour badge or something i was like is that a wild hogs badge and you're like yes it is i was like i love that movie and you're like i do too you know (laughs) and then it began
0: do you know that there so how we stupidly uh had the wave for like three weeks uh as Uh a as a thing um Uh there's a there's a network of younger screamo bands that by chance call themselves wild hogs really yeah and when that when i found out about that my brain melted i was like i love that this is just a unified i I don't know what it is about the wild hogs film (laughs) that somehow infiltrates people (laughs) brings screamo people together together some in some capacity when someone i forget how i figured out i think it was on twitter someone asked someone was just like hey jeremy do you like wild hogs and i was just like I mean, of course I do what <laughs> yeah, kind of question <laughs> is that. Yeah. And then I come to find out that there's like this, uh, there's, there's a bunch of friends in Screamer bands that that, oh my God. that rep that. I know, that, I know I, I fully back that That rules. I'm, I'm so amped. Did, uh, <laughs> did you ever see those? Did we, were we in contact? Cause you know that, um, the town that it takes place in, we're just going to go, we're just going to talk about wild hogs in this podcast. Dude, I, I haven't. Yeah. <laughs> it's been so long since I've seen that movie, but I okay. still love it. Okay. Uh, well, so, uh if you do remember they the big plot point is that they're on a road trip and then they yeah, go to this yeah, town yeah. in new mexico and then they get in some trouble with some other bikers whatever else. Uh-huh. But, right, right. but but that town in new mexico is called uh madrid okay it, it exists and we went out of our way to drive through it on a tour yes. once because that's what you do in the in when you have more time than you should uh sure we drove through it and i'm not kidding you the entire town is a museum to wild hogs like it's it's legitimately the actual film locations like the bars that like the bar that they eat or drink at is like a gift (laughs) shop yes Um, i I definitely have a wild hogs hat and a wild hog (laughs) shirt from that location (laughs) We were blown away. So I'm so oh glad that movie is somehow keeping up the uh the tourist industry. I mean office. so good. This was, this was ten years ago. I hope right, that yeah, they're yeah, still yeah. doing that. But right. at the time, very exciting. Everyone visit Madrid, New Mexico.
1: <laughs> no, our next family vacation.
0: <laughs> Boom. Boom. Yeah. Um so uh yeah, you guys did the what was your guys' what was like the first um pianos like full us tour do you remember when that was would that have been i'm assuming that would have been in support of old of old pride probably and it would have been a diy tour probably yeah yeah it was definitely a diy
1: tour and i want to say it was
0: like two and a half
1: three weeks something like that kind that of would
0: have been when you played with elliot right yeah
1: um maybe it was a little bit longer maybe that was a second one because i remember we did a couple on old pride um one went out down to like texas area like and then one went out to the west coast um I think we might have only gotten to the West Coast on Old Pride, maybe once, maybe twice, but not not a lot. And then with the lack, we definitely hit it hard.
0: I was trying to remember uh, what was the first like support tour you guys did for like maybe like a maybe like a maybe not necessarily like a bigger, but or you know what I'm saying? Like, was it was there? What was the first band that like took you guys out? Yeah, I'm trying to trying to think i really did you guys ever do like a thursday tour i can't remember
1: we or, we played shows with them we never did like a tour with them yeah um I'm trying to think of like a band that was a little bigger than us that took us out i really can't I can, remember i don't i feel yeah. like a lot of those tours were like they weren't like headliners but like it was just kind of like bills that were thrown together because it was such a diy tour you know we're playing yeah with yeah, yeah. Like, i remember um, playing with like native all you know, a handful of times. Oh, yeah. Um, but we weren't like on tour together. We were just like playing shows and yeah, you know, you know how it is. It's like, there's all these bands out at the same time. Let's cross paths in Nebraska or something, you know? So I feel like sure. a lot of the shows were just like that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That makes sense. Um, and then again, this is making I,
1: me feel so fried, dude. I really can't remember these tours. <laughs> I, mean, I remember to just... being on tour, but like, I can't remember like the specifics, you know?
0: Yeah. 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 No, I believe me. I, I, this, uh, there's certain interviews where I'm like, I'm so sorry, I'm just here to challenge things oh, sure. from, <laughs> yeah, from 15 years ago.
1: You're, yeah, you're good.
0: Um, it's not like you have uh, children and a whole life that you uh, have replaced these right. with.
1: Right. Yeah, uh, <laughs> maybe maybe if I got more than like six hours of
0: sleep a night, you know. Yeah, <laughs> you'll remember better. Um. Did uh? So how much? How soon after? you guys were starting to tour and stuff like that. Did you guys start writing black long after like, do you remember what any of that process was? Uh,
1: I think after we were done touring, like our last, like our final tours on old pride, I think we started writing pretty immediately. Um, just to like get the next one going. Um, but it didn't cause I I can't remember if old pride came out. Like I think top shelf released it in like 2009, I think like black jaw had put it at 2009. Okay. I think Blackjaw actually put out in like 2008, I want to say. But then okay. Top Chef put it out. And then, yeah, Lat came out. I think we started writing like early 2009. And then uh, Lat came out, I want to say like late 2011. So like we pretty much just like wrote the record, recorded. And then when the record came out, like started touring again on it. That's probably sure. the fastest turnaround we've ever had on like a tour Record tour, like we we haven't done that since, you know. I, but we were all just like young and dumb and had the time, you know. So yeah,
0: yeah, man. You look at the output of a. I mean, a lot of us back. I mean, we would we for years would be like, set you know seven inch bunch of tours LP split seven inches LP split seven inches LP right. like every other right. year. You know what I'm saying? Right. Now it's like I can't fathom thinking, doing that now. It oh my be crazy. god. Yeah. yeah never taken three or four years between records oh, yeah like, yeah it's tough it's tough um how much i don't know if I know this um obviously the subject matter of Black long after loss of uh, of your parent and everything how much of that music was written before you started writing lyrics, and like did you have like a lot of song- like a lot of songs to write over when you were doing that um um just, uh... I don't know With that
1: one, I, I feel like usually in general, like broadly speaking, I usually have like, I, I'm usually just writing all the time, you know, like writing ideas down. And then I kind of like pick and choose what I like. I kind of like group stuff together, what kind of has the same vibe for me. And I use those things and kind of see what works for the song. So, yeah, but I, I feel like I vividly remember for lack. I feel like it kind of just like I was just writing and just kind of came out and I kind of left things. I edited stuff, of course, but I, I feel like that is probably my most untouched record in terms of lyrics and like editing just because it's like and they I, we had most of the music written and then I kind of just came in and like did vocals over it. But like, yeah, I vividly remember even, like I still remember lines I'm just like, ah, is this too like, I don't know. But I was just like, no, I'm just going to leave it. This is how I feel. I don't care. You know, and um, yeah, and I, I think that I think it served that record, you know, not being too um too worried about editing and just kind of like letting it like pour out of me you know and just it poured yeah. out on the record i like i I have a hard time listening to that record um like i don't I don't really listen to that record we i listen to it because it was like,
0: you had to like re-learn the songs, of it probably yeah
1: yeah. yeah yeah but like I don't know i i I hear that record and i like I can hear me hurting on that one you know what I mean so it's yeah. like and I, that's not a bad thing but it's just something that's like that's just a very time and place kind of thing. You know I mean? I remember like touring on that record was like, it got kind of brutal sometimes you, I know you can relate to that. It's like,
0: yeah. I mean, we were doing shows together uh, while you were guys. I think we're first supporting that, that record. I want to say that was us. You guys Sea Haven. I think that C-Haven. was Haven. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then the circle takes a square. I did some shows on that. I think too. Yeah. Early that on. was,
1: that was a super long tour, right? That was, that one was like the,
0: I think it was a full us. I want to say, yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, I certainly, you know, it made, it made for some really unbelievable performances, but sometimes you have to be like at the cost of what, if you're not feeling right. great, you know what I'm saying? Sure.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And like, yeah, it's, I mean, that, that's the point, you know what I mean? I, I think that's the point, but it's also like, yeah, some nights are a little, a little more brutal than others, you know,
0: it's, for no, for sure. Uh, I'm curious. Cause I mean, you and I have talked about you writing that record my my experiences with stage four and everything like that but like do you feel like you had for lack of a better term like kind of the easiest time writing that record because there was so much to say because that's how I felt with stage four where like yeah I didn't have any moment of writer's block on that record I could have just kept going you know
1: yeah yeah sure yeah um yeah I think yeah that was my probably the most straightforward and the guys also knew like this is what the record's going to be about more so than any other record that we have it's like sometimes it's kind of like so what are you what are you kind of leaning in on you know but like with that one i was like it's about my dad dying (laughs) you know this is this is what this record is about um yeah and they were all just like i remember those guys just being so amazing in that that whole time frame of just like writing touring just like knowing i was going through it i was just this like just a mess you know and those guys were just so supportive and just kind of just like letting me run with it you know what i mean just like in a way like i've talked to the guys about this before i feel like they almost like wrote that record and wrote those songs for me like here you go kyle say we gotta say you know what i mean it's like right i mean like reflecting on that record like that's definitely how i feel it's like those guys wrote the record that i could like get my shit out over you know and like i i've told those guys before i'm like eternally grateful for that you know it's to have that gift you know it's yeah
0: it's a, it's a it's definitely a beautiful thing. I mean, I s- still never went to any sort of like grief counseling or yeah, no, me neither, a, yeah, or anything like that. Which like very much probably could have served me <laughs> at 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 certain points. Maybe it's still it still can, but like, sure, you know, I couldn't afford it, or or you know, there's a plethora of reasons why I'm also potentially like just like was afraid to do it, any of that sort of stuff, whatever it is. But yeah. having that outlet to be able to just like heal in that capacity like that was the therapy to just like yeah. write it out you know people always talk about journaling and stuff like that but it's like here's here's journaling that i have to recite for the next <laughs> uh, yeah. four years to strangers. Yeah, here,
1: here here's my private feelings that you're all gonna hear <laughs> yeah it's, it's, <laughs> it's uh, a bit daunting for sure
0: yeah um did, I will uh, say that I, I, yeah go ahead I, please
1: i i think that's like that's something that i always strive for though is like I mean, that was just it was just like, so like to my core, like the lack lyrics, that's what those are about. But I feel like in general, if I don't feel kind of exposed and naked when I put out a record, it's like, I didn't do my job in terms of like how I want to feel when I put out a pianos record, you know, like I want to, I want to feel kind of just like, uh, like scared of like someone hearing it, you know? And if I don't feel that way, I feel like maybe I didn't do my job as like the singer of pianos, you know what I mean? Like in terms, like for, for me, for how I feel, it's like, if I don't feel like incredibly vulnerable for people to hear this, then like I didn't work hard enough on the record.
0: So. I 1000% know that feeling yeah. for sure. Yeah, yeah. For sure. Um, did you know going into it that I'll be damned was going to be track one and uh, I'll get by would be the last track. Uh, we knew I'll get by was going to be the last. Um, and
1: then I'm pretty sure we put I'll be damned first because of that got uh, it yeah, yeah yeah
0: do you often know going into it like when you're writing a record do you have that feeling yourself like are you involved in that process to be like oh this is going to be track one. Oh, this has got to so, be the last song
1: yeah so we're always we always kind of when we write it we always know like oh that's the last song you know we always just know um and then we always have one song that's like one of the first ones that we write that's like when we're done pretty much writing and we have all these other songs, like, do we still like that song? You know, and we always have to like sit and talk about it. It's like, Oh no, we're just tired of it, but it's still good. Um, but terms of track listing. It's always been kind of like, kind of like democratic with this last record drift. It was very like, um, there's a lot of intention to like, like attention to detail and like the track listing, like had to be kind of like, this song runs on this song lyrically and musically This song runs with this song, you know, it, like I, I was pretty vocal in the track listing on this record more so than any of the other ones.
0: I, I got to say people, uh, I don't know. Actually, I'm not, when does the actual record come out? It's in August, it's this month, right?
1: August 26th. We play North Carolina the night it comes out and then we play Audubar the next night. And I'm so glad that we don't play Audubar the first night.
0: <laughs> um okay well i'm gonna make sure this comes out this month so it can it can complement the the record release but awesome um yeah 26th so you know that's something that i was so taken by when when i heard the record is that like it does feel like it almost doesn't feel like an album it feels like an experience because it is Mm. it almost feels like a like a uh like an art installation or something where it does feel like this moving sort of thing where the songs do go into one another. Um, You don't really know which direction the songs are going to go. You're often surprised in the directions that they do go. Um, Mm -hmm. It seemed like a very interesting record to write.
1: Yeah, it was, it was a doozy. Uh, (laughs) We, so we would hole up in uh, Mike's uncle's cabin in um, Virginia and we just kind of go on writing trips because it's like, we're all so busy. We're all like grown ass men. You know, It's like hard for us to like get together every week and write, you know? So we have to like make a, we have to plan trips to go away and be together and we just go hang out in the woods and write. Um, we actually had like a whole bunch of songs that we scrapped because the vibe wasn't right. Like the timing wasn't good. Um, and we kind of essentially started, started over. And that's how all these songs came about. And we just like, I don't know. Yeah. We just like deconstructed songs. We had ideas and we kind of like what works with this, what works with this. And then it really came together in the studio. But yeah, it, it was, it was challenging to write for sure. And that, like that, that, like you said, that is the point. It's like, for me, start to finish, it's kind of just like one piece, you know, it's like to take a song out of it kind of seems weird to me. I mean, I'm it's biased, like hard to but pick,
0: it's like hard to pick a single for a record. Like yeah, this, I can imagine. Yeah
1: yeah so but yeah we want to just have like a a feeling to it you put it on and it's just like okay kind of just like that that's why the whole that's why the record i mean for a lot of reasons but the record's called drift because it's like to me it feels like you're kind of just like drifting in this like kind of like drifting in this water and it's like kind of in a daydream you know what i mean it's just like you're you're fo- like you're focused but you're not you don't know what you're focusing on kind of thing i, I don't know it's hard yeah. to put into words but no yeah, i get it we definitely want a feeling with this record i hope i love that Hope we got that, you know?
0: Yeah, I think you did. I think you did. I'm excited for people to get to all hear it. Um, People would probably uh, be mad at me for not bringing up uh, our split seven-inch together. Yeah, are, yeah, sure. <laughs> you, two, you two assholes are talking, and you're not going to bring that up. Um, <laughs> so, uh, you know, that was really exciting for us to do um, with you guys because, you know, you guys have always been one of our favorite bands. You know, I think, I think we consciously or subconsciously like our often inspired by what you guys are doing you know you guys have always kind of been that band for us and and vice versa absolutely oh that's awesome um okay so um with our split seven inch yeah it was like it was like the most exciting thing to do um i feel like that was a really cool transition point whether we were super conscious of it or not for both of our bands we're like obviously you that was your first time doing that kind of vocals and then Mm. for us that was our first time writing a song that wasn't like 90 seconds long Um, (laughs) so like it's it's i look at that record as like a or that seven inch as like a really cool um crossroads for both of our i i
1: I fully believe yeah i fully agree with that like that to me that's kind of what that split symbolizes in terms of like our band at least like that was kind of like a turning point you know what i mean like like i mean obviously it's like an audible change but it's also just like the way our band kind of function and what we were trying to do like i yeah that split to me was like a very distinct like okay yeah like something different now
0: and i remember just how exciting it was to see everybody completely embrace what you guys were doing and i remember being incredibly jealous because i was like this, <laughs> oh, this, not only not only is this guy the most handsome person but he can sing <laughs> to you bastard uh, right. <laughs> So, uh. Me, I don't know if I've ever told you this story. Um, I don't know if it's been on the podcast before. Maybe it has, but um, so the first time that we ever played started to play Gravity Live mm-hmm. was um on tour, or from what I remember,
1: it was before it
0: was out, was on tour with Rise Against in Europe, where we were playing these like arenas, right? Yeah, yeah. So no we're shit. like, we're like, no one here knows who we are. Anyway, well, you hadn't
1: played it, you hadn't played it before that?
0: No. So, cause we hadn't, the 7-inch wasn't out yet. So. Oh,
1: you're so, okay. All right. right, right yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Okay, so right, like
0: right. we had, maybe we had recorded it, but it was coming out soon, whatever right, it is. Okay. But we were like, right, right. we're on the support tour. We're first to three. No one here knows who the fuck we are anyway. You know? So, right. so like, let's just open with the song because it starts with a punk beat and we're opening right. for Rise Against. Like, and it's right. melodic and whatever. So let's just do it. No
1: brainer. Yeah.
0: No, yeah. This will totally make sense. So um, I remember, I'll never forget, we were in um, Prague and we we had played uh we went to the merch i went I was selling merch at the table um that was like the funniest thing where you're like, okay, tonight we played in front of potentially ten thousand people, uh-huh. and we did two hundred dollars in merch' <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> we're doing, great. We're doing yeah. great um but I remember this guy comes up to the merch table and does the thing where he's kinda looking left looking right he's got his head shaking he's looking at all of our merch Then he looks up to me i'm not going to do the accent but he uh-huh. looks up to me and he says you played a new song tonight and i said yes we did yeah that was a new one and he goes so he's bobbing his head and he's still looking at our merch and he goes it's longer than your usual songs and i go that's true it, yeah. to this date. this yeah. is that's the longest right. song we've ever written <laughs> and then he's still looking and then he looks up at me and he goes wasn't good, and then just walked Oof. away.
1: <laughs> it's so classic, like U.S. band interrupt. You know what I mean? Yeah. just Like I was, oh. it just
0: it made me. It knocked the wind out of me. I was like, not only <laughs> did not only did he not buy anything, but he needed to just come over and share yeah. that with me. Yeah. Um, just wanted to overnight so a little bit and leave. Yeah, yeah. So that was yeah. that was my first feedback on it, but um. I mean yeah, the the split was so exciting to do. I mean, still hearing you guys play that song when you guys do, it's like super super awesome. I think you and I in the past had talked about the conscious choice for you to go that direction and um correct me if I'm wrong, was your mindset sort of like these guys keep getting, you know, better and better at what they're doing like I feel like I need to step my game up with them and like do something different?
1: Yeah, I so Especially with keep you, but with hiding, it was kind of just like it, it got to a point where it's like, yeah, the guys were writing like prettier and prettier music, and like just like progressing. And I, like, I could scream over stuff, but it's just like every time I did, it just felt so kind of like forced for me sometimes, you know. And it's like, and I, it's like if I can sing clean, you know, and it doesn't sound like dog shit, then like, yeah, let's let's try it. And then like the guys were super supportive too, like, yeah, it sounds cool, you know. But especially like after that, when you started working on keep you with those songs, they're just like, so just like those songs are just like straight up, like to me, just like indie rock songs. You know what I mean? And so like yeah. certain parts, I was like, I remember like trying super abrasive vocals. And it was just like, there's certain parts like, what am I doing? Like, I'm like, I feel like I'm like making the song completely not what it needs to be right now. And like sure. the guys were in agreement. So just like, this song is like not really a heavy song. Why don't you just make it like, why don't you be melodic? You know, so they were encouraging and I like, I was kind of like at that point touring all the time on the lack and I was just kind of like tired of like shredding my voice all the time. You know what I mean? It's like, if I can sing, I'm going to try this, you know? And yeah, luckily, I, you know, it worked out, but
0: totally. And
1: but it's funny now a little side note. It's like now that I'm not playing shows all the time, I kind of miss that, like the outlet of like playing super abrasive music. You know what I mean? It's like, I feel like when I was playing shows all the time, all I want to do is just like sing cleanly and be like gentle you know and now that i'm not it's like no i'm just like i got some stuff to get out you know (laughs) yeah no i I,
0: yeah 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 there's something very special about getting to just like scream as hard as you can into a microphone it's it's uh, it's a special feeling
1: absolutely but yeah that that initial like with hiding and then with keep you it's like it was definitely it was scary you know just like oh man like this is completely not what we were as a band but it's also just like. i am grateful that even at that time i, I had the mentality of just like i don't really care you know like if i'm cool. not having fun writing this music like what am i doing here
0: did you record that with kevin i don't know if i know that
1: uh no we recorded hiding with um uh jay robbins at his studio in baltimore
0: And that was the Uh, only time you guys did something with Jay Robbins, right? Yeah. It's the only time you did anything with him. Um, Oh, that's so cool.
1: Zach backed the van up into his car the first day, (laughs) pulled into the studio. (laughs) (laughs) Oh no. Zach walks in the studio. He's like, hi, I'm Zach. I have terrible news. And Jay was super cool about it. But yeah, I kind of like, I don't, it didn't set the tone for the the three, but we were only there for like a weekend and just kind of like recorded the song and then dipped and,
0: how bad was it? Was it pretty bad? Uh, that wasn't. It wasn't too
1: bad. It definitely like left a little ding. Like I had to have. I had to deal with insurance and had to get all that covered. But
0: um, yeah. I got to be honest. If. If. I didn't know you guys, but Zach was the one that delivered me the news. I think I'd be okay with it because that that yeah, no, he has such sure. a, a such a sweet charm to to him that I'd be oh, like, ah, yeah. oh, it's okay, man. Yeah, I,
1: Zach's one of the ones in the band that I feel like people will, like gravitate towards him. You know, what I mean, he's got that friendly friendly demeanor for sure. Yeah, I mean, all
0: you guys are all you guys are super swell. There you go, My fucking cat! I swear to God, um, <laughs> all all you guys are uh, are are all super sweet. I always say every band though has. Um, Every band needs at least one, I call it, ambassador to normal. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like the, the ambassador to normal. The one person <laughs> yeah. that you can talk to. And then let sure. me tell you, when when the ambassador to normal gets kicked out or quits a band, I'm always just like, Yikes.
1: oh, Yeesh. no. Yeah. yeah. Bad news. <laughs>
0: How's that going to function? How's that going to work? <laughs> yeah. um, well, uh, I mean, I want to just, uh, it's funny, when I have like notes written for all your records my my gut instinct is to just be like like the chris farley show you know just like the right. So uh, <laughs> when you did yeah. that that was right. that was awesome um i i just i mean i need to get at like i love wait for love so much like i revisit that record all the time like oh, yeah. you guys have such insane hooks on that record that like are in my head all the time um yeah, That's I re- I just really man. love what you get. I just really love what you guys did with that record. Was there anything um that came from going back to Will a second time that made that record maybe easier because like maybe you guys knew each other a little better, like you knew what to expect, like that kind of a thing? Cuz it to me and I don't know how you feel about this, to me Wait for Love feels like um you guys feeling a lot more comfortable with what you were trying to do and keep you like it's like you guys have now figured out how to do it and now you've gotten you've excelled at it
1: right yeah well thank you um yeah keep you was us in the studio like doing that kind of music for the first time and i feel like will like we loved will we hit it off but he was like he was afraid too much to like touch things because it was like we were very precious about it you know what i mean um But yeah, like you said, like with Wait for Love going to him for the second time, it was kind of like all bets are off. Like we know each other. You know, I mean, there's not that like that like awkwardness when you first meeting. Like we knew each other already so well. And hands down. Will made me so much of a better singer, you know, just like pushing me. Like it drove me crazy sometimes being in the studio, you know, like take after take. But like Will knows what he's looking for. And like, yeah, just hands down, like I am I am 100% a better singer because of Will. You know, he just like he knows how to get takes, He know, like even when I'm doing something and I'm getting so frustrated, I'm just like, dude, I'm not going to do it any better than what I'm doing right now. Like he hears something and when he gets it, he's like, OK, yeah, that's it. It's like, OK, you know, like but yeah, he just he knows how to get it out of you for sure. Um, uh, dude, but yeah, there was a, there was like comfort on the second record for sure.
0: Dude, I know that feeling so, so much. I mentioned Alex. Uh, so when we would do pre-pro and like record the record with him, usually before we're going to the, yeah, to the next yeah. person. Alex has like perfect pitch. So yeah. like I'll be trying, you know, that must be nice. <laughs> yeah. Tell me about it. <laughs> so like I'll be at the mic trying to do, you know, and Alex is always my go-to guy for like, you know, what if we're doing a cover song or if we're doing like, like what it, I did one of those two minutes late night things where I did like a Pixies yeah, cover. Yeah, Let me tell yeah. you, there's no way I could have done those without Alex right next to me being like, you're sharp you're sharp for sure you're sharp sure. you gotta you gotta yeah. down a little bit he'd be like telling me how to do it yeah and to my brain i'm like but i just did it that's exactly what i just did i was like I know. no it's you're yeah. you're a little sharp Dude, so
1: it is the worst man <laughs> it,
0: it it takes a while it takes a while but then once you do figure it out then you know it it does start to feel a lot nicer i remember brad wood telling kind of like his way of helping me through certain parts like because that because um that was the first record for stage four was the first record where I tried like singing, singing stuff. And yeah, I remember yeah. for him, like what was really helpful. His, he it was him being like, focus on how your throat feels when you're doing that stuff. Don't think yeah. about the note. Think about how your mouth and your throat feels when you're hitting the note correctly. And like, just focus oh, on cool. that. That's a cool way to look at. Yeah. yeah. I never thought about it yeah. that way. And I
1: was like, okay. yeah, It's yeah. It's I don't know if I've ever actually thought about that way either, but um, yeah. Pushing from different areas is always something I try to, be aware of but yeah i don't know i yeah back to what you're saying it's like we did have that comfort with will and i think those songs are probably some of like the most i don't know yeah maybe like catchier songs you've ever written you know i mean just like we weren't afraid to have like a big like rock hook you know what i mean but it's like i feel like that sounds like the most one of the most like put together records but it's also i i like i wasn't at the studio a lot of time because like my first son had just been born fairly recently um so, it, like, it was definitely a different vibe for Wait for Love, recording-wise. Um, but, yeah, in terms of just, like, actually tracking Will, it was, like, all bets are off this time. Let's do it. Sure. Yeah,
0: yeah that's on Charisma.
1: Woo! Woo! <laughs> it's just a, a hit. Um, right, so, dude, that, that's a fun song. You know, you know, like, there's some songs that, are like, or you put out, like, a, a single, you know, in quotes. Yeah. Um, but it's, like, okay. And then you play it live and, like, just does not translate. Work. You know, like, yeah. Charisma is one that, like, uh, we love to play that song. So like, thankfully that's one that's like, like a banger for us. And it's also just like so fun to play, you know, cause we have so many songs that like, oh, I wish that one was better live. Cause it's a true stinker when we try to play it, but like it's oh. one of our favorites on record, you know? So
0: Yeah. I think that's, that's always the scariest, most fun uh, thing at the same time, when you first tour off of a record where you where you just know like the first, it could be the first time you play it live, even if you're not great at playing it live yet, you're just like, well that one's i think it's singers (sighs) specifically that know because it's it's because you're staring at people's fucking faces so like and like you're seeing how people move and you're like oh that one's not gonna work
1: there's a lot of things i don't know but that's one thing i always know is if a song goes over well you know what i mean like i always know that before the other guys it's like i know the song is not working guys you know yeah
0: yeah it's an interesting thing um Well, shit, man, I'm going to hit you with the last question. I, you know, cool. I could, they could stare at you. We could do this for, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, Kyle, what was the first time you felt like you were doing the thing you've been working so hard towards? <sighs> you know, I knew, you,
1: I knew this was coming and I still <laughs> didn't come up with like an amazing answer, but.
0: Well, you don't need an amazing one. You just need an honest answer, no, pal. it's got to be amazing. Um,
1: <laughs> I think, honestly, just it kind of hit me when we became not just like a local Baltimore band. We became kind of like a band that was doing things. And then we'd come back to Baltimore and play shows and we'd like sell out the autobar. I think just like, I think selling out the autobar and having people go insane and having all of our friends there and family members and then like playing soundstage and selling that out. And just like in our hometown, just like, I, to me that was always kind of like there's always you know we've been a band forever it's like there's these like tiers that you get to you get to and it's like you always do these amazing things but for me it was always just like hometown show people are here they want to see it i think for me that was just like oh yeah like we're doing it you know um yeah yeah so that yeah that, that's my answer and I, I my second answer would be like doing that first headline tour with gates and loma and just like having people come out and like a couple sold out shows, you know. It's like, all right, this is our tour, and people are here and singing along. Like that's just like that'll never be lost on me, you know. Because to me, it's like I just we've never been a huge band, but just like the fact that people are there and want to see us, you know, just like always to me, that's like, oh, there's people here. This is amazing, you know. Yeah,
0: yeah. There's so. there's that feeling that is uh, that will never go away as like a headliner to where, oh. like I do these shows.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> dude, it takes
0: me back to being in like you know ninth grade doing pay to play shows or whatever it is oh where like yeah. where or whatever you're doing we're like i'm always looking behind the curtain and be like is anyone here yeah. did, or, yeah. did anyone leave or, you know sure, it's that man. feeling yeah. every single time it doesn't go away yeah. yeah um i'd be remiss to not uh get this out there i think my other a- favorite aspect of the journey that you guys have gone on musically is though i know i've talked to him and he says it's 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 gotten harder throughout the records but I love hearing what David comes up with drum wise over the yeah. music that you guys have been making these last couple records, because dude is obviously like could be playing in like the craziest metal band well, ever. Uh, dude. I mean, and, I like, yeah. I, I, yeah, he's David
1: is just an ultimate beast. Like I, I mean, I'm by like, he's one of my best friends. Like I love him to death. He is the best drummer that I know, but he's just like, he's nothing but taste. You know what I mean? Like the songs that he. The stuff that he comes up with, especially for this new record, I was just like, dude, this is just like so tasteful and so like reserved and so like, I, yeah, I could I, I talk about that for hours. It is just like just watching He's him do his thing. I'm just like, oh my God, dude. You know, I feel that way about everybody in the band, you know, but yeah, dude, yeah, yeah, I mean, that goes doesn't even need to be said, but like, yeah, watching David do these things. It's like, dude, you are just like a musical beast. Yeah,
0: yeah. I, I, it's hard to take your eyes off of him when he's playing because yeah, you're just like he's, sure. there's certain drummers that it's like i love a drummer that hits hard and he hits so fucking hard he i sure love does. like <laughs> like he's got <laughs> like I, like he's like a uh like de- very different style but like in the same boat as like a ricky from me without you where it's like there's so much swagger in what he's yeah. doing that you're just like jesus man yeah. like uh, i it's it's fascinating to watch and just yeah what he comes up with over the music that you guys have been making. It's like, it's so tasteful. Yeah. And I, I completely agree. Yeah. And man, cause it could be real, not tasteful for a drummer who's used to playing super hard stuff to, do, you know what I'm oh, saying? Like sure. there could be overcompensation. There can be a ton yep. of things that can go wrong, but what it's like, I think the drummer of the national is very underrated as like, mm-hmm. cause that dude is unbelievable and comes up with super creative stuff over things that you're like, well, what the hell is that drum beat? Right, it's sure. similar to that to me. But it's like with a dude who fucking bullies his drums. So it's oh, like yeah. the coolest Absolutely. mix of the two. Yeah, dude. So, so
1: on, on this last record, I think I want to say that. So David is in this thing called like the Indie Drummer Collective. And they sure. always do like, drum like stuff and all these. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so I want to say that it was like the drummer of Jimmy World. But we took this mantra and applied it to this new record is like he said, like, who's in the driver's seat for this song? And Dave, like when we were at the cabin writing, David was just like, all right, that's like a great mentality to have. Like who is in the driver's seat for this song? Like what's what needs to be served the most in this song? And I think that's what we tried to approach it instead of just like, look at my part, look at my part. It's just kind of like what's like the main thing in the song that we're trying to accentuate. And I feel like David did that like flawlessly with his drumming, you know,
0: that's just accentuating
1: what needed to be accentuated. Yeah.
0: Brilliant. I love that. Good hanging with you. This is this. Uh, this is a wonderful afternoon. I know, man. I miss you. I want to hang soon. And that is our show. Thank you so much to Kyle for coming on and thank you for listening. Reminder, there's a bonus episode where Kyle answered questions that were submitted by subscribers, which is available right now if you head on over to Patreon dot com slash the first ever Patreon. Take care. I'll see you next week. Be good. Bye-bye.